it's wonderful to see so many families worshiping together. And sometimes as adults, we forget how Christmas carols may sound to kids. Here are some examples. We three kings of porridge and tar. <laughs> or this, he rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prudes. <laughs> or olive, the other reindeer, used to laugh and call him names. Or this, oh, what fun it is to ride with one horse, soap, and hay. <laughs> I like this one, sleep in heavenly peas. <laughs> or this, bells on Bob's tail ring, making spare ribs bright. <laughs> and finally, you'll go down in Listerine. <laughs> Reminds me of the little boy who drew a picture of baby Jesus and his family when he was in Sunday school. When he got home, he showed his dad what he had made. He showed him the picture, and the dad said, well, I see Mary, and I see Joseph, and I see the baby in the cradle. But who is this large man standing off to one side? The boy answered confidently, oh, that's round John Virgin. <laughs> well, on this Christmas Eve, we're going to take a look at a prophecy given 700 years before the birth of Jesus. That prophecy is found in the book of Isaiah, chapter 7, verse 14, and it was fulfilled with pinpoint precision when a virgin named Mary, gave birth to Jesus on a silent night in Bethlehem. In Isaiah chapter 7, we're introduced to an evil king. His name is Ahaz. He was one of the most ungodly rulers, at least up to that point. He built a pagan altar right in the Jewish temple area. Unbelievably, he sacrificed his own children to the god Molech. And so God raised up some prophets to speak truth into this king. So Micah came, Hosea came, and Isaiah. All of them called Ahaz to repentance to no avail. Now because he had deliberately disobeyed God, his kingdom came under attack from all quarters. Now with that, just as a very brief context, we come to the text of one of God's most remarkable Christmas promises. See, apart from God's miraculous intervention, this promise is beautifully incomprehensible and biologically impossible. Listen to verse 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. So that prophecy looks ahead to an ultimate fulfillment 700 years later when a son would be born to a specific virgin in Bethlehem. Now let's look at this powerful promise phrase by phrase. It starts with the word, therefore. When you see therefore, we should ask why it's therefore. Well, in this case, it's a word of contrast to show. In contrast to the wickedness of Ahab, this is what God is going to do. 
Would you note next, the Lord Himself. This is the name Adonai, which speaks of God's sovereignty, and it's a reflexive pronoun. Himself tells us that this promise comes from God, and He is the one who will fulfill it. Notice next, we'll give you, that word you is in the plural, showing God's desire for everyone to respond to the gift that he will give. It's a sign. The word sign is used 183 times in the Bible to convey a mark or a miracle. A sign was often this message of wonder. A signal most often used to describe this awe-inspiring event. It was designed to communicate certainty. As Isaiah 38, 7 says, This shall be the sign to you from the Lord that the Lord will do this thing that he has promised. And then we see the word behold. That word behold is designed to get our attention, to indicate the importance of what is about to be said. It could be translated like this, lo and behold, or look now, or Don't miss this. See what God is about to do? Shocking. Startling. Surprising. And when used in Isaiah, the word behold always relates to something that will happen in the future. Now here's the surprise. The virgin. The definite article means God is referring to to a particular woman who is a virgin. The word for virgin was used of a young, never married, morally pure woman. God had in mind one specific teenager, a virgin named Mary, whom he had chosen to become pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Notice the next phrase, shall conceive. This is no ordinary pregnancy, no ordinary birth. A virgin with a child would certainly stand out as a miraculous sign. Incidentally, in some medieval works of art, Mary is often depicted reading Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, when Gabriel arrives to announce this news, and she will bear a son. This was an unplanned pregnancy for Mary, but it was planned by God. She chose life because the Lord is the one who put that little life in her womb. Now, here's a thought. Ahaz, King Ahaz, sacrificed his own son to the god Molech, while Mary gave birth to God's son, who sacrificed his own life in our place. And notice what he'll be called. He shall be given the name Emmanuel, the strong God with us. In Hebrew, the word order emphasizes this truth, with us is God. You know, another popular Christmas carol asks this question, what child is this? My guess is Joseph's first question is not, what child is this? His first question is, whose child is this? Well, that's why he needed an explanation from an angel. He needed supernatural intervention so that he would know what was going on with his fiance. And we see that answer in Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 21. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. 
Those who knew him best in the gospel simply referred to him as Jesus, using that name some 600 times. Though other titles were also used, Jesus Christ or Lord Jesus, Jesus or Jesus, is the Greek form of a Hebrew name translated as Joshua, Yeshua, which means Jehovah saves. And so as Savior, Jesus came to set us free from our depravity, to deliver us from the dominion of the devil, and to release us from the fear of death. Friends, let's just settle this. We're all sinners, and because we're sinners, we need a Savior. And sin is basically missing the mark of God's standard. The Bible says all of us have sinned and deserve judgment from God. The month of December for me started off in a very memorable way. Beth and I were in Davenport. We were driving east on Kimberly. We were actually in separate cars. And when I approached an intersection, the light turned yellow. And I decided to speed up and race through it. Well, just as I entered the intersection, I saw this bright white flash. (laughs) And I knew I was busted by a red light camera. When I got home, I looked up how all this works. I learned that I would be getting a ticket in the mail in 10 days. Well, I thought about that every day. I wondered how I could beat that rap. (laughs) And if I couldn't beat it, I wondered how much it was going to cost me. Oh, I did some rationalizing. There was another car that went through the intersection as well. Or maybe the cameras weren't calibrated correctly. Or maybe I'd just get a warning because the light was not red when I went through the intersection. Or I was hoping maybe they'd look at my driving record and notice I've had no infractions since I lost my license for speeding twice in high school. (laughs) Sure enough, 10 days later to the day, I received my official ticket. Now, here it is. I knew I was in trouble when there's three pages of it. And when I turned it, I saw on this side three images of my car supposedly going through the intersection. My first thought was, well, that's pretty fuzzy. I mean, how do they know that's really my car? Car. So then I noticed this whole page of instructions. It's the whole, this backside with all this stuff to read. And down at the bottom, it says, hey, if you want to contest this notice, and I thought, well, I'm going to do that. I was looking for a loophole. And then as I'm reading, my eyes went down to the very bottom where it said, View your violation on the internet. Now, thinking this was my ticket, out, my ticket to get out of the ticket, I decided to check it out and I was horrified. I discovered this very clear video on the internet of my car. Someone else must have been driving of my car entering the intersection when the light was red. 
I grabbed my checkbook and quickly paid the fine. (laughs) You know, I think I'm saving a lot of gas when I go to Davenport, but it's not really happening, is it? (laughs) I'm helping those of you in Iowa with your taxes, I'm sure. But you know, we're all sinners. We all break the law. Don't be judging me. You've done the same thing. You just, you just haven't been caught yet. We all fall short of the glory of God. And we rationalize. We justify. We blame somebody else. You say, well, it really wasn't that bad. We compare. We make excuses. It's not that big of a deal. Our infractions may be small, but let's be honest, they're innumerable. In other times, our sins are big and embarrassing and evident to many. Friends, wherever you land in there, you and I have something in common. We're all sinners. And God sent His Son, Jesus, to save us from our sins. And if we're ever going to understand the message and meaning of Christmas, we must first understand the mission of Christ. He came to save us from our sins. Consider with me, every other religious system teaches you have to pay a price to get to God either through performance or through penance. You either have to do something in the hopes, vain hopes, that it'll be good enough, or when you do something really bad, you got to beat yourself up in the hopes that God will forgive you. So listen, only in Christianity do we hear how God did everything that was needed to pay for our sins, to pay our fine for falling short of the glory of God. Friends, because he is for us, he forgives us. Number two, Jesus is God with us. And because God is with us, he forbears with us. Listen to verses 22 and 23. All this... (laughs) took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, that would be Isaiah, verse 23, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Details surrounding the birth of Jesus were predicted by the prophets, fulfilling prophecies made hundreds of years earlier. And this quote from Isaiah 7:14 shows that when God makes a promise, he keeps that promise. So this virgin will not only conceive, but she will bear a son. That shows the humanity of Jesus. The next phrase shows his deity and shall call his name Emmanuel. Letters I-M means with, A-N-U, us, and L means the mighty creator God, the strong God with us. Friends, God is not some distant deity. Growing up, I viewed God as mighty, majestic, and mad at me. (laughs) Perhaps you've been living like that too. 
It wasn't until I was in college through the influence of my college roommate that I learned that God is also gracious and loving and forgiving, and he's close by. Now, let's see if I can explain the crux of Christmas, and I'll do it in about two minutes. So by means of the virgin birth, Jesus entered the world guiltless of the sin of Adam. Since he was born of Mary, he is truly human. Because he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, he is free from inherited sin handed down from Adam. Jesus is both the son of Mary and the son of God. He's both ordinary and as Emmanuel, he is extraordinary. He is Son and Savior. He is holy and human. He is fully God and fully man. He is God with us and He is God for us. He forbears and He forgives. And Jesus came to die in our place as the full and final sacrifice for our sins. Emmanuel took on human flesh. He lived the perfect life and then he died as sacrifice for our sins, facing the full fury of the Father's righteous wrath. He did all of that in our place. And in exchange, when we believe, this is so good, such good news, we receive his righteousness. His substitutionary death demonstrated the Father's love and satisfied his justice, resulting in the salvation of all who repent and receive him by faith. And friends, this wonderful gift is available free of charge. As Emmanuel, Jesus is fully able to stand in our place and take our punishment. He paid for our sins precisely because he had no guilt or shame of his own. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I like how Paul David Tripp puts it. Check this out. Look into that manger and remember, the one who was born without sin and committed no sin took the penalty for our sin so we could stand before God as if we had no sin. My sin for his righteousness. That's the best gift exchange ever. You see, Jesus is God for us, he's God with us, and he's God over us. Let's go back to the lyrics from What Child Is This for a moment. The king of kings, salvation brings, let loving hearts enthrone him. This, this is Christ the king. Well, we see how Joseph enthroned Christ in verses 24 and 25. Listen to his response. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. What did he do? He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. 
Joseph didn't just take notes. He didn't just think, well, that was a weird dream that I had. No, he treated the Lord as his king, even at the cost of his reputation. He publicly identified with Jesus, even when he knew it was going to cost him socially. So here's the principle. When we know, well, then we must go. So how do we enthrone him? How do we do that? How do we treat him as king? Well, simply put, we do what he says. We take him at his word even when it's going to cost us. This uh, December, especially, I've been hearing the song, Mary, Did You Know, quite a bit, and I paid a little more attention to it this year, and I started wondering, what did Mary know? Well, Mary knew a lot, didn't she? She knew she was a virgin, and she knew that she would conceive by the Holy Spirit. We also know that she was troubled, she was afraid, and she was uncertain. We also know she heard these words in Luke chapter 1, verse 32 and 33. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Mary, this child that you delivered will soon deliver you. And three times in this passage, it says that she's a virgin. Now, certainly, she didn't know everything, but she knew enough to obey. Luke one thirty-eight. behold... Check out her response. I am the servant of the Lord. May let it be to me according to your word. See, Mary had settled the fact that God is sovereign, that nothing is impossible with him, that she needed saving, and she was his obedient servant. Likewise, you and I must get to the point where we can say, because you're God and I'm not, I'm going to obey, I'm going to line my life up underneath you and do what you say. I wonder, do you already know enough to obey? You see, someone has said most of us are educated way beyond our level of obedience. Friends, Jesus is none other than God for us, God with us, and God over us. Jesus came down to lift us up, reversing the curse of Adam's sin. So when you feel alone, and some of you do, you feel very alone. Oh, would you remember that Jesus is with you as one who forbears and he's hanging on to you? When you feel lost, and some of you do, you're engaging online or you're here in this room and you're like, I I don't know, I just feel lost. Remember, Jesus is for you and no matter what you've done, how often you've been doing it, he is ready to forgive you. Because he hung on the cross for you. And when you feel confused, and some of you feel confused, you don't know which way to go or what to do. Remember, Jesus is above you as the one who has first place. And he's calling you and I to a life of obedience. 
So at the cradle, we see that God is with us. At the cross, we see that he is for us. At the resurrection and the ascension, we see that he is above us. And for those of us who are born again, when he returns, he'll come to get us. So when Jesus was a toddler, the wise men showed up bearing gifts And they gave Jesus the famous three gifts. We've heard about these, right? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But let's consider what these gifts symbolize. Myrrh was the spice used for burials, indicating that Jesus was born to die because he is God for us. Frankincense was the incense offered in prayer to God showing that Jesus is God with us. And gold, well, that's what you give to a king, demonstrating that Jesus is God over us. I'm going to invite you to close your eyes right now. God, we thank you for the truth of Christmas, of the incarnation And Lord, for many of us, it's kind of predictable and maybe even we're bored with it. And yet, Lord, it's really something to behold. It's surprising and startling that this is your plan. Lord, I pray for that individual here in this room or engaging online right now. Lord, they are far from you. And Lord, maybe they're at the point where they're like, I can't keep living like this. If that's you, would you pray something like this? God, I am a sinner. I've just been living for myself, for my own pleasure, for my own benefit, and I'm making a mess of everything. Lord, I repent of my sins. I repent of my sinfulness. And I turn to you, Jesus, recognizing that you came in order to go to the cross where you carried all of my sins with you. And when you died, your blood was shed, your blood paying the full and final price for all of my sins, satisfying God's righteous and holy wrath. Thank you, Jesus, that you didn't stay dead, that you rose again on the third day, showing your power, your victory over death and depravity and the devil himself. So Lord, I ask you now to save me. I trust in your finished work. Come into my life. I want to be born again. And then, Lord, help me to live underneath you for the rest of my life that I might live a life that brings glory to you, honor to you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.